Welcome back to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And each week we cover a new topic and we drink a new little beverage. And this week, you need to calm down. (laughs) Do you know that's why I named it that? I I knew that that's why you did that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we're, talk- <laughs> we're talking how to regulate your nervous system yes. with physical therapist Jessica Rector. And we're going to be talking to Jessica about the signs of an unregulated nervous system, how our nervous systems and trauma affects our relationships, and how to center ourselves to be the best versions of ourselves. And I've honestly... I do a lot of like therapy work and we all, we both do. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't realized how much I've been stimulated and like how I, I don't know, I've I've been more in tune with my nervous system recently and like consciously regulating it. Because you start to realize that it's like, because I go to a lot of therapy and sometimes I'm like, why do I still feel like this way in my body? And it's like, oh, because I'm not. I'm not tapping into that part. I'm just in my head. Well, another thing that you experience and then I have since experienced is when you go out, your nervous system gets really like, you know, turned on and you're like, I don't hyper or whatever, activated. And then you come home and you like have three hours. You can't come down. I cannot go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. That's Mm -hmm. all the regulating of the nervous system. Somebody, uh, we're going to go see a movie next week at like nine. And I thought, I'm going to go to bed at 3 in the morning that night. At 9? I know. It was the only day that worked for everybody. But anyways. That's crazy. But maybe if I can learn how to regulate my system. You're not going to get out of the movie until midnight. It's only an hour and a half. Previous are 45 minutes. No, they're not. They're 15. Mm, They're 30. (laughs) They're 15. 25. (laughs) I swear to you, they're 15. Sometimes there's a lot of them. Okay, anyways, that's crazy. Okay, at the end of the episode, we are playing BFF quiz or Bumble, Bumble BFF, BFF quiz. And Nat, what are we drinking? Oh, maybe I need to be a little <sighs> regulated. I feel kind of activated right now. Well, me too. I'm just feeling anxious. But I can't remember if we've drank this or not. I don't think so. I've never seen that before. What it's, is this? It's called Skin Tay. Skin tea? Oh. Collagen sparkling tea. We've definitely never. Oh, I love like a, a white. White tea I love a white ginger. Tea. It says, hello, liquid radiance. Oh, my God. So, yes. I don't know. Okay. So, yeah, this is a white tea ginger flavored with super herbs and antioxidants and some collagen. And some collagen. I wonder if, you know, sometimes collagen tastes like collagen. It does. Yeah. Let's see. Mm. Okay. Oh, it has white tea, ginger, hawthorn berry, passion flower, nettle root, and horsetail. I can taste the collagen. Really? Yeah. Okay. Before we jump into this, though, yeah, let me introduce Jessica. She is an intuitive. She's a force of nature. She's a loving soul. Her ability to navigate complex emotions and traumas is nothing short of a work of art, people. Her loving nature and powerful intuition creates a container that allows her clients to open their hearts and dive into their deepest shadows while feeling surprisingly safe and comfortable doing so. She lovingly guides you to pull yourself out of any sort of thought loop, barrier, or heaviness where you feel stuck, thus propelling you into your newest 
chapter. As a doctor of physical therapy, Jess discovered her ability to disseminate physical pain related to emotional trauma, which led to her personal coaching with the use of plant medicines as the catalyst to bringing her clients closer to their true north. Wow. I want to meet Jessica. Let's bring on Jessica. Let's bring her on. Hi, Jessica. Hey, Hey guys. (laughs) What you guys don't know is that we've had... Yes, we've had a lot of technical difficulties going into this, and this is our third time saying hi to Jessica. Yeah. (laughs) But we are so happy to have you here. As I told you... (laughs) Two other times. (laughs) I've recently, like, come to terms with the fact that my nervous system is a bit unregulated, and I've been trying to learn more about my own nervous system. And so we're really excited to have you on because this is what you specialize in and talk about a lot. And so I'm hoping I learn a, a thing or two. I, Me too. I am yeah. like, so this is like kind of one of those episodes where it's sort of selfish, where it's like, we're like we oh, want we to know. This. Like, we yeah. actually want to know. And you're also, you're also a trauma-centered relationship coach. Um, And so I think we should start with just what is trauma and how can it show up in our lives? Because trauma is such like a thrown around word that it's kind of be a little buzzy. Yeah, it's a it's a buzzword for sure. So Mm -hmm. I feel like people maybe don't know what it could look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I like to start with just the fact that everyone has probably been through some trauma based on the definitions that I use. So in my somatic trauma-centered training, trauma is not the things that you've been through, but the way that they stay in your body, which means that anything that you've ever experienced that felt too much, too fast, too soon for your own personal body can register as a trauma. And so when we look at that through that lens, trauma can certainly be when someone has been through an experience that's like what we would call a capital T trauma that everyone would assume is a trauma like domestic violence or sexual assault or war or something like that, obviously traumas. But then we have these lowercase t traumas that can register in our system as well. That might just be, I grew up in a household that was extremely chaotic and very loud for my own personal system. And that resulted in a lot of things for me, but that was like the start of what I would consider my trauma because I didn't have the capacity and no one guided me and how to hold those things with how sensitive my system was. And so it might be that it might be like you were seven years old and you wanted to play a game on the playground and none of your friends wanted to play it. And then someone else suggested the same game and they all wanted to play it. And now you're like, Hmm, why do my ideas sound stupid, but that person's ideas that are the same as mine sound good? Yeah. Um, All of that can be traumatizing in a different way. And so when I work with people, I work with like everyone on the spectrum where it's like people who have been through really extreme things that if anyone heard their story, they'd be like, oh, gut punch. Um, And then I work with other people who are just kind of like, I don't know why I feel what I'm feeling. I don't, I've never really been through anything that intense. I had a loving family. Everything was fine. And it's like, well, that's really how it goes under the radar is we grew up with our physical needs met and our parents' generation didn't really know what emotional or energetic needs even were. So it's no fault to them, but our needs weren't being met in 
whatever capacity. And another definition that I've heard for trauma is not just what happens to you, but what doesn't happen for you or what you don't Mm. get to experience. And so then it's not just like, oh, these things that have been assaulting to me, but also I really needed a hug in that moment and no one was around to give it to me. Or I asked someone for help and they told me that I shouldn't cry and I should be brave. And now I equate crying with being a coward, even though that's not it. (laughs) Um, And so it's really how it registers for us, which is why you might go through something And someone else might go through the exact same thing and maybe they seemingly don't have any results from it, but you have a really hard time processing it. And that's just because of how it landed in your specific system. Yeah. I'm glad you explained the difference between like big T and and little T, but also that it it affects you. It can affect you all the same. I had an experience and Natalie Mm -hmm. knows intricacies of this story, but I had an ex who I had mm-hmm. revealed a very traumatic, very big T trauma in my life to him. And he opened up to me about something that I thought was not in the same degree at all. Mine was the death of a family member's. His was like an embarrassing moment. And I was like, mm-hmm. why did he equate that as the same thing? Those aren't, but it, in his nervous system, this public embarrassing moment was very huge. traumatic, very huge for him, changed his whole view of the world. And at the time I was like, that seems silly. Like, why would he do that? But it makes, it makes sense. You you can't necessarily, I guess, weight big T over little T. It's all, it all affects us. And I'm curious in what ways does trauma impact our nervous system? And also like, what is our nervous system? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also. <that>. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. So I would just like to comment on like that feeling of these things don't really equate is why a lot of people don't seek help because Mm -hmm. we can always find someone who's experienced things quote unquote worse than us. And if I haven't been through something that bad, then I, I should be able to pull myself up by my bootstraps and just deal with it. Like that silly old American thing. And that is so irrelevant. It's like whatever I have experienced is the worst thing I've ever experienced. Right. So it really doesn't matter what you've experienced because I didn't experience that. (laughs) And like, of course, we need to hold people who have been through various serious things like tenderly and with compassion and like that there is a little bit of a different affect that might go towards that. But it's not to say that someone who's been through something that maybe isn't a capital T trauma hasn't been through a lot of stuff because it's highly dependent on what their system can process, what they, how they were handled after that, if anyone ever even gave them love around that, if it was a long-term event, like there's so many contributing factors. And so it's really worth hearing, like whatever your experience has been, if it feels like something heavy to you, that's really the only thing that matters. And on the flip side, if it feels like absolutely nothing to you, it may be worth sitting with because you might be dissociating from it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but trauma impacts our nervous system in a lot of ways. So to start, our nervous system is basically the thing that sends messages from our brain to the rest of our body and backwards so that we can be a human. And there are specific parts of our nervous system that function automatically called the autonomic nervous system. And this is where people will get to like almost everyone, at least in our generation, has heard of fight or flight or rest and digest. And so that's part of the system that's functioning automatically. And what we traditionally learn in like our sixth grade science classes is that 
we can't do anything. This system just functions in the background and it's what tells us that there's an alert system and we run away from the alert or we duck and cover or whatever our system decides to do. This is also the system that regulates like how fast we're breathing, how fast our heart rate is going, how we're digesting, how we're able to participate or not in sexual activity. Um, And so when you view it from that lens, it's like, oh, a lot of people with digestive issues, actually, it's probably just a nervous system trauma issue. Oh, a lot of people with sexual dysfunction, there's a lot of things that can contribute to that. But one of them is nervous system trauma stuff. And so the way that I view the nervous system is it's kind of like the direction board in an airplane or whatever that's like driving the whole thing. And it's something that's getting missed a lot in traditional medicine because we see all of these specialists but there isn't really like a nervous system specialist unless you have like a brain tumor. You right, know? Like right. mm-hmm. No one's going to see that person unless they're coming to see someone like me, which isn't general medicine, you know? So the nervous system is doing a lot of things, but one of the things it's doing is communicating to us through sensation. And the easiest way to describe it is the nervous system either tells you that you're safe or you're not safe. And there are a lot of other things in the spectrum that we're experiencing on the day-to-day. But when we break it down, either our system feels safe or unsafe. And if you have to put every experience into one of those two boxes, it really simplifies your understanding of like, what is my body trying to tell me? Because obviously, things that I'm perceiving as negative, something in my system is telling me this isn't good. And then... We can dive deeper into the specifics of that, but safe or unsafe is the basics. And so I guess I'll pause there and just ask if that's making sense so far. Yeah, my God. No, totally. It totally is making sense. And (laughs) what I'm gathering is that trauma would put your nervous system in a state where it feels unsafe more times than not. Yeah, if not constantly. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. So... I have some visuals that maybe I can like give you guys when you put up this podcast, but basically in a healthy functioning nervous system, which is essentially no one on the planet, but in the ideal nervous system, there would be like this nice steady, like I'm going up a hill, I'm going down a hill, I'm going up a hill, I'm going downhill, very rhythmic, like, oh, I'm a little activated because I have to do this assignment. Okay, good. I did it. Okay. Now I'm calming down. Oh, now I get to go do this activity. Okay. Now I'm calming down. And it's like, there's activation and there's coming back to maybe like a more relaxed state, but it's very peaceful and rhythmic. Once you have any event basically that tells you that life can possibly be dangerous or overwhelming, the nervous system's like, oh shit. I have to look out for that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes a little bit more sensitized to, okay, now something that would have normally been just a little activating for me, maybe my system's like, oh, this feels super familiar to that other thing that happened before. So I'm going to panic and go into fight or flight to make sure that without a doubt, that thing doesn't happen to me. But maybe it's not actually a dangerous situation. So the analogy that I like to use is, you know, like, Maybe someone witnessed an argument with their parents when they were younger and their dad like put his glass on the table really hard and then got up and got really angry. And it was a very overwhelming situation for that child to witness. Now that older person, wherever they are, teenage years, 20s, 60s, it doesn't matter, is in a social setting and someone's just like lightly tapping their glass on a table. 
just because that's their fidget, not because of any reason. And this person has no idea why they're feeling social anxiety, but their background autonomic nervous system is like, someone's putting a glass on the table. What's about to happen? Someone's putting a glass on the table. I have to be on high alert. And so there's all of these like little things because our brain is super good at finding patterns that if anything feels eerily similar to something that previously was actually putting us in danger or felt like it, our system goes into panic more often than, you know, someone who hasn't had that experience before. Yeah. And it's all unconscious. It's not like you're, it's not like in that moment you're putting it together like, oh, this is why I feel, it's just that your system is on overdrive. It's it's doing that. I also Mm -hmm. find it interesting because I think we associate like fight or flight with negative. Like, you know, you should never Mm -hmm. be, you know, activated. But you were saying a healthy regulated nervous system has those ups and downs, but they're more regulated. And so it's like fight Mm -hmm. or flight responses are okay when you have a big speech coming up and you want to, you know, put out your best forward and you you need that energy, right, to like engage the crowd. It's not helpful when it becomes too much and you can't go out there at all. And like, you right, know, right. so it's like finding that balance and like realizing, okay, like these sensations are helpful at the right times. They're not helpful, you know, when I'm not, there's no threat. Right. Or coming back down to like a healthy baseline. Whereas it seems like if you're if your nervous system isn't regulated, it's the baseline is too high, basically. Is that right? Or too- Yeah, the, for some people. Yeah, so you're exactly right. Like we kind of learn fight or flight or rest and digest like a light switch. And it's not, it's a spectrum. There is healthy versions of this activation. Like the sympathetic, increase in sympathetic drive is also what like gets you out of bed in the morning and gets you exercising and gets you in social situations. And the parasympathetic is kind of like what keeps you calm in those situations or what allows you to relax after maybe like a higher intensity thing or maybe to digest your food. It's like we need both of these things in their healthy balance um, at various times. And so it's not like we want one of the systems to always be in control. And this is where some stuff has gotten missed, like getting diluted into pop culture because there are a lot of people who are like stuck in fight or flight, which doesn't necessarily mean you're always there. If you were always there, you wouldn't ever be able to sleep or digest like anything, but maybe you're there more often than not. But there are also people who get stuck in like this freeze mode, which is essentially like that rest and digest over reacting. And now instead of that system being used to relax me and digest my food and put me to sleep, it's being used to totally disconnect from reality or dissociate. Or when people talk about like selective hearing, it's like, okay, something has been too activating about the situation that I've disconnected and I'm not present. Or if you've ever been in a conversation with a partner and you're talking to them and then all of a sudden you're like, what hello, is- like, yeah. are you even here? Yeah. Um, They're like, I'm not actually. That, that, <laughs> yeah, I'm not actually. Exactly. And so there are two different versions Actually, there's many versions, but you can be stuck in either system. And what's interesting about getting sort of stuck in that freeze um, place is that when you start to regulate your nervous system and you unfreeze, so you stop dissociating as much, you start being more present. We call it the thawing phase. So it's like normal activations here, fight or flight's here, and then a little bit above it is freeze. So in order for me to get to normal activation, 
I actually have to go through this phase of being in fight or flight more often, which to some people when they start this healing process is like, what the hell? Like I thought I was getting better and now everything around me kind of sucks, but it's exactly the same as it was before or better because you're more present. It's just that you weren't, you weren't actually here before. And so you weren't processing your emotions. You weren't experiencing maybe things that were negative. And now all of those things that you froze out are coming to the surface and your system hasn't totally regulated yet. And so you're like on high alert, but you haven't experienced it before, which is a really interesting process. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense to me. I'm like, I can't even, that explains so much about my life (laughs) and how I process things. But so I want to know, what are some signs and symptoms? Like if somebody's listening and they're like, do maybe I have an unregulated nervous system. What are some of the mm-hmm. typical signs where somebody should kind of look into and maybe reevaluate some things? Yeah, so I'll go through them kind of like what the individual, we call them self-protective responses. So cool. freeze, fight or flight and also fawn, which is kind of like the people pleasing aspect. I fawn. I'm such a fawner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of those are self-protective responses. And basically our system decides what's the most effective strategy for me to use to ensure that I survive and stay connected to the group around me so that I can continue to live and pass on my genetics or whatever. And so I'll go through them that way because it'll make a little bit more sense. But my first answer is everyone could use nervous system work. and. <laughs> that's the basics. Like, <laughs> like if you think that you don't need it, you do. But signs that you would be maybe stuck in freeze or freezing when something gets stressful is that sensation of procrastination. Procrastination is a freeze response. I'm so overwhelmed that I can't participate in this stuff. And then as it gets closer, maybe I go into fight or flight and I like rush to do it. But that disconnection from all of your to-do list because it's too much. That's a freeze response. Freeze also would be dissociating. So dissociating may look like not having a good memory. There are certain situations where maybe you don't remember stuff, but like in the age groups of like 10 to 50, your memory should be pretty solid short-term and long-term and you should have memory from childhood (laughs) and and teens and you should it should be long term and short term and if you aren't processing that stuff it may have to do with like not sleeping well at night but it also is that you probably weren't fully present in that moment or those moments because of things you were experiencing so memory loss or saying you have a bad memory is a form of that dissociating can also look like in sexual activity it's really common like when people have had poor sexual experiences or even not necessarily a a sexual experience, but some sort of intimacy that was uncomfortable for them, then physical intimacy in any capacity, whether it's hugging or anything all the way through the spectrum, they might disconnect. And that might look like letting their to-do list run on in their head while someone else engages with them physically. It might be like, oh, I didn't, I don't know how I got from there to here, but I got here and I don't really remember the process of getting here. So those are, those are some examples of like dissociation and getting stuck in that freeze response. When you're stuck in that fight 
or flight stage, there's some similarities and there's some differences. We tend to use like upper body sensations as fight because I'm prepping to literally battle someone. Yeah. Lower body sensations might be flight. And so when people fidget a lot like this or like those people that tap their legs, it's a lot of excess energy running through their system. That's an indication of like sympathetic overdrive. Fight also attachment styles aren't like directly related to these things. It's a totally different concept. But what I've seen is that a lot of people with anxious attachment styles tend to be more like fight associated because it's like, I want to cling to you for dear life and force you to solve this right now. Mm. Versus the avoidant is kind of more associated with, with a flight response. It's like things get stressful here, disengage, run away. Not an exact science, like I said, different theories. Um, and there can be some overlap and variability depending on the situation. But uh, a lot of people love talking about attachment styles. So that's yeah. how they can sometimes relate to these things. Other forms of like fight or flight being stuck in your system is just high levels of anxiety. So like not being able to catch your breath or not being able to sit down. A lot of people, meditation is now in vogue. And pe- there are some people who be like, oh, I just can't meditate. I can't get my mind to stop. And it's like, well you need to meditate. Yeah. You're the the person who needs to meditate the most. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Or always having a to-do list or not being able to fall asleep at night or waking up and not being able to stay asleep. All of these things. I also do a lot of cycle work with people who have wombs and your period is a, a sixth vital sign for anyone who has a womb space. And so if it's regular and consistent, that tells you we're healthy enough to have a baby. Good job. And if it's irregular, I would say that there's probably something going on in the nervous system because your body is telling you, actually, don't bring a baby into this world and this environment. Like, we're not safe here. Mm. Um, So that's another way to just, like, tune in. Other forms of fight or flight, emotional flooding. So maybe I don't experience my emotions. This could happen, actually, with freeze, too. But I'm not experiencing my emotions much. I'm pretty easygoing. And then all of a sudden... If I feel a little sadness, I'm like hysterically crying for days and there's absolutely no consoling me. Or if everything's fine, but then something frustrates me a little bit, it's like all of a sudden, all of the anger that I could possibly harness in the world is going out to that person who just like accidentally bumped into me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's like whenever emotions, and it could be about more serious stuff too, but like when the emotions come, there's no stopping them because your your nervous system has now like escalated to that p- place of defense and you don't have the tools within you to to learn how to regulate. Back down. Um, emotional flooding is actually a really good thing to talk about because in where we are culturally, there is a lot of power to the feminine coming up, which is obviously amazing. And also like a lot of social issues that are coming to the surface, which is obviously like all of those things are essential and important and empowerment is like the key. Like we need everyone to get on a level playing field so we can all connect. And this emotional flooding thing is happening where it's like, oh, I'm actually so pissed at generally it's white men because (laughs) that's who's had the power up to this point, but like whoever it is, because they're the root of all of my problems. And it's, And there is like no stopping this emotional rage, which is important because we need to have all of those emotions coming up to clear them. And if I put you in a room and I start screaming at you over you, do you want to work with me? No, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. 
mm-hmm. we're, we're not going to solve problems. So I talk about this thing of like, am I expressing emotion to be witnessed or am I expressing emotion to solve problems? And both things are really important. But when you actually want to like solve a problem in a partnership or a friendship or in your nuclear family, we need to have this other way of expressing your emotions that feels like you're actually getting your emotions out so that when you come to express your emotions to actually solve an issue, you're not getting that emotional flood, but that comes with being able to regulate your nervous system. Cause there is stuff that we've all been through that absolutely sucks and deserves sadness and grief and anger. And in the midst of an emotional process, we can't actually problem solve. Yeah. 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 It's just being able to like safely for everybody express those emotions and just having kind of like a gear shift or being able to like tone things Mm -hmm. down and bring things up and not be overwhelmed. And can you quickly go into fawning as well? Um, Because I know you mentioned freeze, fight, and flight. Yes. So real quick, just to wrap up that conversation about fight or flight and emotional expression, because the nervous system speaks in safe or unsafe, when we experience an emotional it, it registers the same in our body as if we are actually having the experience. So if I feel unsafe and I'm processing emotions that are related to that, it registers in my system as if I'm actually unsafe. And that's why we can't problem solve in those states because when I'm having the experience of being unsafe, my only problem that I need to solve is getting to safety. It's not compromise or connection or understanding the other person or thinking of solutions. It's like, get me to a place that I ensure that I'm going to keep living. Um, So that is like helpful for social things. It's helpful for relationship things. It's helpful for talking to your own self. But like when we've hit that state of danger, quote unquote danger or real danger, whatever it is, the only thing that anyone should be focused on is bringing the nervous system down to make sure that everyone is in that place where they feel safe. And then we can talk about like the other things. Okay, so that's that. And then fawn is also this aspect of the rest and digest system. It's just a different arm of it, basically. And the concept of the fawn response came through with the polyvagal theory. And within that theory, it says, you know, like humans developed as tribal mammals, which means that in order to survive, we needed to be in a tribe to survive. That's it. If we were like a lone human in a tree being chased by lions and whatever else, we're dead. So we need the tribe to survive. And so the fawn response is when I feel any sense of discomfort or anxiety, rather than staying true to my authentic self, I will fawn to everyone else in the group or people please other people to ensure that connection. Um, I was listening to a podcast this morning with Gabor Mate, who is like, kind of a a leader in some of this stuff. And he was saying that we basically, a child especially has the choice between authenticity or Ah. attachment. And so when I am my authentic self, that's obviously like basically what the whole healing journey is like trying to give us access (laughs) to. And every wound is essentially that we've like abandoned our authenticity to ensure safety in some capacity. And the attachment is really important because if I'm a child and I don't have a care provider, I will die. Mm. And even though we kind of are in this phase of like, I can do everything myself, like empowerment, like it's all within me. That is true. And 
we also need each other, like for emotional support, for physical support, like we're meant to be connected. And so we will always, almost always abandon the authenticity for the attachment. Um, But then we start to realize that authenticity is a need as well. None of that other stuff really feels good if we're kind of aligning to someone else's like genetics Mm -hmm. or resonance or frequency or whatever words you want to use. It doesn't really matter. Um, But we need both things. So funding is basically abandoning our authenticity to ensure attachment so that we can stay with other people. And it's necessary sometimes, like it's the same thing. Like it is good to have that ability to be like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. If we go to like the restaurant that I want, like we can go wherever people want. I really don't care that much, but it's not good when it's like, I say that every single time, or if I actually do care, or if I'm in a relationship and I'm constantly giving up my needs for the other person's need, just to ensure that they like me. Um, right. then they're not even really liking me. They're liking this fake version of me that I'm presenting to them. So that's where fawning comes in. And boundaries are a very big part of all of this stuff. But specifically for fawning, that comes in a lot. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, if someone's listening right now and they're like, oh, I'm totally, you know, I totally freeze or I totally fawn or any of these things. What are some ways that they can or and we can honestly learn <laughs> yeah. to regulate our nervous systems when we become aware. I know a lot of this is subconscious and it takes a long time to even become aware to the behaviors or the feelings that you're having. But once you are there, what are some ways that we can learn to regulate? So the very first step for everyone is feel more. Like we are all way too much in our heads, even people who have a lot of emotions. It's not because you're feeling too much. It's because you're not feeling enough and then you're getting that flood. Mm. So like when we try to bring these things into consciousness, it's like, how often am I actually checking in on how my body feels physically or emotionally? At best, it's probably like in a yoga class or if I've overdone something and now I'm in pain or if I go through a really hard emotional state. And now like, I can't help but feel this grief or sadness or whatever it is. But if you could check in every day on your system and just like, Hey guys, like, how are we doing that down here? Like, what does this feel like? Is any part of you speaking to me? And if you are speaking to me, what are you saying? So take someone with like digestive issues, people with IBS, it's their body telling them that they need more love. And there's a lot of things going on that maybe led to that point. But a lot of things that are digestive start with like, or have to do with what we're consuming. So if your body doesn't like something you're consuming, what goes out has everything to do with what's coming in. And if you tune in a little bit more, you might find, oh, you know what, my particular system doesn't like this thing. And that's okay. Maybe you still want to consume it like more power to you. But at least then you know this plus this equals this. Mm-hmm. Um, digestion is like a very basic place to start. But there's also because because digestion is nervous system regulated, if you can get your nervous system regulated, maybe those digestive things kind of fall to the wayside. So it's not like just a one track to like solve any of these things. But nervous system regulation is a huge piece of it. And if I'm not feeling what's going on in my body, I won't know when I even need to regulate my system. And that's kind of part of the issue. It's like, we're all getting to this place of like severe depression or severe anxiety, or like, I absolutely can't go out in public or I can't, um, a lot of my stuff has been like body image food stuff. So like, 
I can't stop eating or I can't look at myself in the mirror or like whatever each individual person's thing is. But when you're at the place where the house is on fire, a cup of water is not going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> Like we need to be noticing things earlier. If I notice when like the candle has tipped over onto the floor, I can actually just pick the candle up and probably nothing's on fire. And so the way that we describe it is like, how do I notice the thing that happens before the thing? And once I start noticing that, how do I notice the thing before the thing before the thing? Because the sooner I can start sensitizing to what's going on in my body, a couple of deep breaths probably will work. And when it doesn't, maybe a walk will. But if I'm already completely incapacitated, like now I need a total rest break. Yeah. Yeah. So noticing what's going on in your body more. And usually I tell people like, well, when I'm actually working with people, I try to get them to do this like many, many times during the day. (laughs) But if you're just like curious about this stuff and starting, I would pick a cue in your day, whether it's like in the morning and at night or before and after every meal. Or if you're someone who has like meetings, maybe after each meeting, you can do a little tune in, but just really quickly, like close your eyes, stay in the bathroom for an extra 30 seconds or pretend like you're writing an email for an extra 30 seconds. No one has to know you're doing it, but just do a little check-in. Like, how is my body feeling physically? And how am I feeling emotionally? And usually when people first start this, it's like... I just started doing this like a couple weeks ago. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So usually when people start, I'm curious if this is what happened for you, but we'll have like six words in our vocabulary. It's like, I feel fine. And my body feels like fine. And my heart feels maybe a little tired. Like, like there's very short vocabulary that we have because no one ever taught us to connect with our emotions. But the more you do it, the wider your vocabulary will be. So trying to get more specific is helpful. And there's actually like, maybe we can link this, but there's an emotional wheel online. And I have a resource for like physical sensations to give people more vocabulary because it's like if you and I are trying to solve a problem and you guys speak Chinese and I speak I don't know Russian (laughs) like we're gonna have a hard time solving the problem because we're not even speaking the same language yeah but if I can get more familiar with the language of my my body then I can start learning nervous system tools but until I am even aware of like what I'm feeling I can give you all the nervous system tools, but if you don't know what's going on, you're not going to know when to use them. Right. So that's step one for sure. Yeah. I mean, it makes so much sense. And also I did experience that. I am experiencing that where I check in and I'm like, I feel anxious. And then I'm like, and then it kind of, I kind of just get stuck in there like, okay, I'm just, I'm just anxious and I feel anxious and I can find like the the more like surface level thing that's making me anxious and I'll be like oh I'll just solve that for the Mm -hmm. for the immediate relief I guess yeah like going Mm -hmm. for a walk yeah deep breaths but you have to like be in tune to be able to do any of this right 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 (laughs) yeah so for people who are in that place of like always always tuning into the exact same sensations what I try to get my clients to do especially emotionally but like okay, that emotion's coming up. Great. Like, I'm glad you can feel that. That's that's good that you're even noticing that you're feeling that. What is the emotion beneath the anxiety? Like if you could just peel up a layer of soil, what would be underneath that? Because to me, while anxiety, anxiety is kind of a physical sensation and an emotional sensation. And 
the way I personally describe anxiety is like, I wasn't listening at all. So my system basically turned up the dial as loud as it could on every single dial. And so now like, I don't know what it's saying because it's purely just like really loud noise instead of like this type of music. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can, if you can start tuning into or asking yourself, what's the thing beneath the thing that can help. And then if you also ask yourself, okay, what does this anxiety feel like in my body? Then throughout your day, you'll start to notice like, like say I said, anxiety feels like cramping in my stomach. Then maybe I'll notice like, oh, I'm feeling a little stomach tension. Okay. I'm feeling a little stomach tension. I start to notice that. Then the more I do that, maybe I start to notice that stomach tension actually comes with like this posture. So maybe the posture comes first and then the stomach tension. So now I can start paying attention to the posture. And if I keep changing the posture, then that's the thing before the thing. And so I'm hitting these these sort of check boxes where a walk will be more effective or I start to notice the actual people I'm interacting with that are causing these things or the environments I'm interacting with that are causing these things or whatever it may be. So this type of work isn't like, oh, I did this thing and everything's fixed. It's like, basically, there's not an end goal. <laughs> there's It's like, how do I continuously get to know my system better and communicate better? Um, one of the things that I always, because I like work in relationship sphere, which by the way, isn't just partnership, it's self partners, community and the planet, but it's how do, how do we love each other better? And so I can forever for the rest of my life, learn to love my partner better. And I can always forever for the rest of my life, learn to love myself better. And part of that is like nourishing this communication. So while there is kind of this, like when people come to me, this arc of, okay, like this is the task that I want to accomplish. Like I want to get to this place where this trauma isn't impacting me this way anymore. Once you learn these skills, it will be kind of like this continuous love affair with learning better communication. Yes. Yeah, so you you just mentioned that you also work in the relationship space, which is actually what I wanted to ask you more about. How does your nervous system, trauma, and all of that like play into our relationships? And I thought it was also interesting that you said that it's not just part traditional partnerships that we think of. It's with yourself and with the planet. And so, or maybe you can speak more to the traditional partnerships as well. Like how does this come into play with our communication? And then how do we start to address this stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I work with people, um, everyone, even if it's couples that come to me, everyone has to work with me individually because so much of this work is figuring out what's going on in your system versus like when I think of traditional couples therapy, I'm, I know that not all couples therapy is like this, but like in movies, it's like this person does this thing and it makes me feel this way and they need to change this thing about themselves. And it's like, yeah, (laughs) no, like that's, that is not going to accomplish the task. Like we need to figure out what it is within us that's contributing to this. And if both people do that, then the actual couples work is like so easy. But the way that this plays out in all relationships is that generally the way that I describe relationships outside of me is that they're a mirror for the relationship within me. So if my partner, um, I said that I like have worked with my body image a lot. So the example that I often use is like, if someone asks me, where'd you get that sweater? And I'm having a bad body day. I will be like, Oh my God, why are they looking at my body? Why are they looking at my sweater? Like, 
is this something wrong with this letter? Like, oh my God, if I have that, that's more like Jessica like years ago, but even still, that could totally still happen today. You know, we all have these fluctuations, but when I'm in a regulated state and someone asks me where I got my sweater, I'm like, oh my God, you like it? I love this letter. Like (laughs) it's from here. And what that example shows us is that like that person saying that thing, they ask the exact same question. It's not them asking the question. It's how it's landing in Mm -hmm. my system. And so if I'm not familiar with what my wounds are, with what my nervous system state is, with how my body communicates with me, then it's going to be pretty hard to have really healthy relationships because unless the relationships are like perfectly matched to my wounds, in which case they usually aren't actually healthy relationships. Right. Um, But like what that allows me to do by getting to know these parts of myself is to recognize like, okay, um, just so you know, like, I know you didn't mean this, but when you asked about my sweater, it triggered this thing for me and I'm working on healing this, but a way that you could love me better is by not asking about my food or my clothes. Like that would really support me on this process. So it gives us a different language where I have now taken away the accusatory, why'd you say this thing to me? You're a bad person because you said this thing to me, whatever it was. And taking ownership of like, I know it's not actually the thing that you said. It's really more about how it landed. And I'm actively working to shift the wounds within me, the nervous system, the stuff that I'm holding so that that's not a problem. But like, it would also help me if you just didn't do that. Yeah, you know? no, and so totally. that's where like learning to love each other better comes from. And so learning nervous system regulation kind of brings light to that. The sort of frustrating thing that I have found in this work is like when we start to regulate our nervous system, we're usually the first ones in our field doing it. So when we learn to regulate our nervous system, we often are the person noticing things in our field more. This happens with all forms of healing and it becomes like, why do I always have to be the more conscious person? And it's mm -hmm. like, well, it just is that way. So if (laughs) any of you are feeling that way, just like, buckle up and be grateful that you have the consciousness to notice these things. But when it becomes helpful in partnerships and friendships is if I know what a dysregulated nervous system feels like, we co-regulate to each other. I haven't mentioned that yet, but if you think of like deer all like together and, or antelope um, all together and they hear a noise, all of them look up together. But what's happened is one of their nervous system probably got peaked and it like grabbed the group so that they can all get to safety together. And so our nervous systems regulate together for better or for worse, which mm-hmm. means that if the three of us are in conversation and one of you says something to me that just like absolutely triggers me and sends me and I start like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe, why would you do that? Blah. And you guys aren't, don't know nervous system regulation. It's really easy and totally natural to get defensive. And so if I come at you with energy, you're going to get defensive and send it back to me because you don't want to hold that energy. That energy sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you know co-regulation and you know nervous system stuff, instead you can be like, hey, Jessica, like I feel like maybe you're getting a little activated right now. Like, do you want to do some breathing together or can I give you a hug or do you want to go on a walk? And in friendships, you know, th- those dynamics will look a little different, but in partnership, Ideally, your partner is also doing this work. And so you can have conversations about like, like my, now that I've unfrozen, my self-protective state is flight. So I feel claustrophobic. Like the second I get out of my capacity, I'm like, 
I'm claustrophobic. I got to escape the world. How do I get out of this planet? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like a helpful thing for us is for me to like go on a walk or like do something that actually almost like creates the illusion that I'm fleeing the situation. My partner um, has more of like, not, he doesn't really have this, but like he defaults to anxious attachment. So if I were to just like leave the situation, that's obviously going to be triggering for him. Right. But if we've had these conversations, I can say, or he can ask me if I'm not conscious in the situation, like, can we go on a walk together and not talk, but like, we can still be around each other, but like, let me get this energy out. Or I got to go on a walk. This is so important to me. And I love you so much that I want to make sure that I'm talking to you in a regulated state where I'm actually like logical and kind. So if you want to wait for 10 minutes, I'll go on a walk. And then I promise you, I will come back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it just gives different language to like the ways that we can support one another when, when one person even understands this stuff, because then they can catch it. But, but when more than one person in the room understand it, then now we have two people playing the same game where like, the fight isn't which one of us is right. It's which one of us recognizes that someone's gone into self-protection mode first <laughs> so that they can bring us back. Yeah, <laughs> right, totally. right. And then it's like we're on the same team. <laughs> and it's all connected. Like all it's it's just like a big ecosystem of people and places and things and the whole nine. Mm-hmm. But if people are listening and and they're like, OK, I really want to dive deeper into this. You have a course called Relationship Reboot. Is that mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah. So the the vision is that it will eventually be a series. Hopefully sometime this year we'll be adding part two and three to it. Right now it's relationship reboot journey back to self. And so that's intentional. Like I said, like the first piece is getting to do this work on your own. Um, and so the course is initially nervous system stuff. And then we go through things that maybe people have already done in traditional therapy, like inner child work or boundary work or how to build trust with yourself. But it's through this lens, nervous system regulation. And so it lands differently when you're not just setting a boundary because you don't like that person or you don't want that energy or whatever. You're setting a boundary because you've realized how this whatever lands in your body and there's a little bit more information for it there. So that's kind of like what the course structure is. And something that I tell everyone is like, I was vehemently against group courses before I participated in my first one because I I was like always the person in class that like didn't really raise my hand and also was kind of annoyed when people did and like just like to get things done and move through it and I also really like I do this work so to be in a class with other people was kind of like uh, like am I gonna have to listen to other people's stuff but then I took some group classes and they're honestly amazing and then that led me to create one, but we receive our wounds in relationship. So Mm. even though we have to heal a lot of our stuff ourselves, truly the only way for us to heal is in relationship and in community. And something that's unique about group courses like this that are totally focused on like nervous system regulation and healing and stuff, even though it might feel like they would be vulnerable, it's like every single person has come to the room because they're ready to do the work. So sharing something vulnerable in that setting, even though it's always hard to be vulnerable, like feels actually quite safe compared to sharing something vulnerable with people who like are not on their journey. Aren't healed or Um, aren't, yeah, mm -hmm, speaking that language. Aren't working on it. 
Yeah, exactly. And so, so the group is actually like a really, really amazing place to start the journey because you don't necessarily have to go as deep into stuff as that, if that makes you like nervous, but you're also getting like these foundational tools so that when you're ready, it's like you have set yourself up for success basically. That is so awesome. I know. And we'll, we're going to link everything yeah. so like people can find you on every platform. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. And sign up for your course because that's so amazing. And I, I agree that you do have to heal some of these wounds in a group setting or within a relationship to actually fully heal it. So I think mm -hmm. it's so great. We've taken way too much of your time. <laughs> but really, we could talk to you forever. I mean, you're so knowledgeable on all this stuff. So thank you for doing the work so that we can do yes. the work. And we'll link everything you're doing in our show notes. And thank you so, so much for your time. Seriously, this is so helpful. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. Have a great rest of your day. You too. <laughs> We really needed to hear that. <laughs> I know. I know. And like, honestly, there were like several times where I had like personal breakthroughs. Me too. I, I was, was like, like, do I need to work on that? We say that every time. But like genuinely, I, know, but I'm like, I was like, do. I'm having a lot of like breakthroughs on this. <laughs> Especially like recently I've been thinking, because like with therapy, I get frustrated with my progress because I'm like, why isn't it like working for me mm -hmm. and I'm like mm -hmm. oh because I'm not addressing I don't know I need to re-listen to this episode because I was I need a journal or something no totally I I feel like it was maybe at least a good reminder for me because I also am similarly feeling frustrated in therapy like I had therapy today and I was like so yeah the same thing happened again. same thing <laughs> right. she was like did we use any of the skills I was like nope no I couldn't it was too late Right. So it's like, I need to remember, I need this to, whole thing where you pull it back. I What's need, the thing before it yes. and before it and before it? Yes. That's a lot of exploration. Well, we'll link everything that Jessica's doing in our show notes if you want to connect with her. And we hope you guys learn more about trauma, how to regulate your nervous system, and how trauma can impact our relationships. Yes. And now let's circle back on our skin tea, collagen, collagen. sparkling tea beverage. Oh, our hottie of the week. I chose her out of pure randomness. She it, seems like somebody who's very regulated. May, probably. Scarlett Johansson. Certified hottie. Certified hottie. Always has been, always, always will, will be. be. So one, two, Scarlett Johansson, the skin tea, collagen sparkling tea, white I'll tea like ginger. A, I'll give it like a four. Oh, I was going to give it a seven. Okay. Five and a half. Five and a half out of Scarlett Johansson. All right, this is the part of the episode where we play a little wrap-up game. And this week, it's Bumble BFF quiz. Bumble BFF quiz. But then you know what I just found in my bag? What? We're not really Strangers New Year's edition. Oh, okay. We can do that whatever. That would be kind of fun. Let's try it. We could do one of each. Why the fuck not? Why All right. You cannot. Just pick a card. Do, 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 do. Are they very New Year's themed? Are they like, what would you like for the New Year? We're cutting these out. We're we're not going to do that one because those are going to be long as hell. Oh, those long. are like emotional answers. Like how? Okay, Nat is like digging in her bag as if she's like freaking Mary Poppins. <laughs> how much stuff could possibly be in that bag? <laughs> this well, I got two more drinks. I got some <laughs> snacks. 
You know the whole nine. Okay. We're going to do BFF quiz again. Okay. BFF quiz. Because these ones are... In they're depth. like in depth. They're very in depth and they're very like existential and... Mm, might be too much. I feel like I, my brain has to process... We need to regulate. We I need to be aware. Yeah. We're, oh, we're getting... We need to bring it down. I need to bring it down. <laughs> I need to bring it down. It's true. Everything's good. All right. Let's just do a quickie little... You shuffle cards like a magician. Oh, I do? Mm-hmm. Wow, thank you. This is Well, this is how I shuffle tarot. Oh, yeah. No, I don't do that. Mm-mm. What's something you want to learn more about? Oh, like a topic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Off the jump, I think, you know, I've been on this journey with my African heritage. Yeah. And I... You know, there's just so much to the African-American experience that has been diluted, lost, a lot of traditions, recipes, any sense of who we are. Yep. And so since doing 23andMe and, like, really knowing, like, okay, I'm Nigerian and, like, I really want to learn more. I know so much about my other side, like my German side, that I want to get more in touch with my Nigerian roots and learn traditional foods and, yeah. um, you know— more more about that side of my lineage yes. and like lean into it more. So that's been something over the last maybe like six months that I've been really interested in and like yeah. trying to learn more about. And it's been wild. And it's also just semi a little sad when you realize how much yeah. it is lost. Yeah. You know, has been lost. But you know what? Purposely. But you're through the learning, you can bring it back. Yeah, rediscovering. You rediscover for yes. sure. Oh, should I ask you the same thing? Or should I? Oh, oh no, oh, you pick oh, a different okay. card. Picking card, picking card. Oh, what's your comfort movie? Um, oh, God. I mean, she's well, has a bag of fucking E.T. Oh, okay. No, E.T. is not my comfort movie. Because you're so emotional. E.T. is my, I have to brace myself. Okay. <laughs> uh, it is the most important movie to me okay. and my life. But it's like a once, once a year. Okay. And I should probably be alone when I watch it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so not comfort. No. Because <laughs> I'm like literally holding nope, my E.T. holding bag. a bag with E.T. on it. <laughs> Clutching it. I think my comfort movie is When Harry Met Sally. Oh, God. We're going to get into it again. The one she still hasn't seen. <gasps> okay, you know what? I'm going to get on it. I really think okay. it is. It's just like. So cute. It's just such a good movie. And it's like, I just love it. Okay. I am going to watch it. Well, Yeah. It, you have to. No, no, I will. I am, but it's just. I believe it, in you. It hasn't, hasn't had enough. I maybe, had enough maybe next time you're on an airplane. I know, but then the whole. Here's what the issue is: is I told Joe I'd watch it with him, so it's like we have to find a time oh, right, to watch it together. Right, and we never. Right, it right. just never happens, and it's like I should just watch it by myself. It's a good ninety minute or two. I'm gonna watch it when I'm gone, and Joe's gonna have to deal with it. Maybe you guys can watch it simultaneously on Facetime, like when he was in <laughs> COVID quarantine. <laughs> We might have to at this point. All right, you guys. Well, we hoped you liked this episode. We're going to link everything Jessica's doing in our show notes. And we will be back next week with another episode. Bye. Bye.